Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Scripps 5 Must Know Things. This time for the business week ended 23rd June 2022. This is Ian Haydock. This time, GenMab confident in CD20, CD3 battle, Alzheimer's disappointment for Roche, Japan's speed bump for Shinogi's oral COVID antiviral, Farmers' views of psychedelics, and a roundup of key bio-sessions. Executives at GenMab are confident the firm has an edge over Roche in the new class of CD20, CD3 bispecific antibody lymphoma therapies, although it could still be beaten to the US market by their rivals. Andrew McConaughey writes that any advantage in terms of data will be important to GenMab and its partner Abvi in what is expected to be a closely contested market, and one that could see the Danish company commercialising only its second ever product in the US. GenMab and AbbVie presented updated trial readouts at the recent European Haematology Association Congress that reinforced the efficacy of their candidate, Epcoritamab, in several non-Hodgkin's lymphoma settings, where it will compete with Roche's Glofitamab and its recently EU-approved Lunsumio. While Roche can claim a double presence in the field, and also the first CD20, CD3 approval. GenMab and AbbVie's drug looks to have a slight edge in both clinical efficacy and safety. It also promises greater convenience as a subcutaneous drug compared with the intravenous administration of its rivals. Last week, the pilots presented three epicoritumab datasets at the EHA Congress, the most important of which was its late-breaking Phase 2 Epcor NHL1 study in relapsed or refractory large B-cell lymphoma. GenMab's Chief Development Officer, Judith Klimovsky, and Chief Financial Officer, Anthony Pagano, discussed the promise of epcoritumab in the Goldman Sachs Annual Global Healthcare Conference on 15th June. Klimovsky said the drug stands out thanks to a little bit of efficacy, a little bit of safety, and its subcutaneous administration, while Pagano emphasised that AbbVie's presence in haematology via its BTK inhibitor in Bruvica would help make the drug a heavyweight contender in the market. Whether this will be enough to give the partners the upper hand is yet to be seen, however. Roche has already filed a glofitamab with the European Medicines Agency, and the US FDA submission is expected shortly, which may come just weeks ahead of its rival. The two CD20, CD3 drugs are first being targeted at NHL patients who have run out of options after multiple lines of therapy including those who have relapsed after CAR-T therapy. In the NHL1 trial, treatment with epcoritumab demonstrated a 63% overall response rate and 39% complete response rate. Median progression-free survival was 4.4 months, with a 12-month overall survival rate of 56.9%. Median OS has not been reached yet in the study. Making a cross-trial comparison with Roche's glofitamab in its similar MP30179 study in relapsed or refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, epcoritamab looked to have a small but significant edge. Glofitamab demonstrated a 51.6% ORR, nearly 12% lower than its rival, though its 39.4% CR was virtually identical. Medium PFS was also very similar at 4.9 months, but glofitamab's 12-month OS result of 49.8% was some way behind epcoritamab's 56.9%.
Separately, Andrew also reports that Roche and partner AC Immune's beta-amyloid targeting drug, Quinezumab, has failed to prevent Alzheimer's disease in people otherwise almost certain to develop the condition because of a rare genetic mutation. The results, announced on 16th June, mark a disappointing but unsurprising end to an ambitious nine-year-long study conducted in Colombia in people with the rare inherited form of the disease called autosomal dominant Alzheimer's. There had been hope the drug would work when given to this small group of people years ahead of symptom development, but it failed to show any clear benefits. The outcome is unsurprising as Cronesumab had failed in previous studies in patients with early-stage disease, and the drug has demonstrated only limited ability to clear amyloid beta, which plays a key role in killing neurons in the brain. The result adds to an unbroken chain of therapies over the last two decades that have failed to prove their value in large-scale Alzheimer's trials. This includes a similar long-term study combining two other anti-amyloid beta-antibodies, Roche's gantanerumab and Lily's solanezumab, in people with ADAD. It also includes Biogen's Adrihelm, which despite failing to demonstrate a clear clinical benefit, became the first and only beta-amyloid therapy to gain US approval. The 252-patient ADAD Columbia trial was launched in 2013 by the Alzheimer's Prevention Initiative. Unlike so many previous studies of beta-amyloid therapies, the results provide suggestions that the drug had some clinical effect on cognition and memory, but did not generate significant proof that onset of the disease had been prevented or slowed. The results found numerical differences favouring crenezumab over placebo across the co-primary, multiple secondary and exploratory endpoints, but none were significant. The news of the failure made little or no impression on Roche's share price on 16th June, but AC Immune saw its stock fall by nearly 10%. The company has been praised by analysts for diversifying its pipeline into other neurodegenerative fields such as Parkinson's, but it's still heavily exposed to several risky Alzheimer's programs. Shionogi's share price plunged in morning trading in Tokyo on 23rd of June, following a surprise decision the previous day from an advisory panel considering the emergency approval of its oral COVID-19 drug, Zakova, which is NC12VIA or S217622. Lisa Takagi and myself write that the Japanese firm's stock initially dropped around 10% following the meeting of the committee, which advises the Ministry of Health and Welfare. While analysts have had mixed views on approval prospects for the drug, the roadmap, while possibly temporary, still came as largely unexpected, given the potential for a positive approval recommendation to come out from the first meeting. The committee decided it requires further careful discussions, noted a statement released by the MHLW shortly after the discussions. The 3CL protease inhibitor, in which political and public interest in Japan has been running high, was filed on 25th February for expedited review and subsequently switched for consideration under a new emergency approval system that was introduced this April. A broad, late-stage clinical trial programme is still ongoing and the company initially started consultations with Japanese regulatory authorities for the approval based on data from around 430 participants. Although the details of the discussions were not made public, the MHLW is planning to schedule a further meeting to rediscuss the approval, probably in July. NC12VIA has shown mixed Phase 2B results. 
even though it demonstrated significant reduction and rapid clearance of infectious SARS-CoV-2 in mild to moderate patients, there was no clear difference in 12-symptom total score versus placebo. Another issue that has attracted attention online in Japan is teratogenicity in a preclinical study. Shinogi confirmed in April in response to a Japanese media request that fetal skeletal morphological abnormalities were observed in a non-clinical safety study, although it stressed that these had been reported at the time to centres in the study and participants in the trial programme and to the regulatory authorities. Some caution on the MHLW's part over an urgent approval is also reflected in a decision to hold the next discussions jointly between a specialised dedicated committee and another advisory committee, and also in public. Two other oral antivirals for COVID-19 have been approved in the country ahead of the emergency approval scheme's adoption. These are Merck & Co's Legevrio in December 2021 and Pfizer's Paxlovid this February. Pharmaceutical companies are steering clear of psychedelics at present, but their potential to treat conditions with high unmet medical needs, including depression, substance use and pain, means that the big players are keeping a close eye on the space. Kevin Grogan writes that this was one of the key messages to come out of a panel at the recent Bio-International Convention in San Diego entitled Psychedelics, What Will It Take to Get Them to Market? Kurt Rasmussen, who's Chief Scientific Officer at Delix Therapeutics, told the standing room only session that Big Pharma was sitting on the sidelines for now, letting us sort out the risk and all the barriers before it gets involved. Those development, regulatory and commercial barriers around psychedelics are coming down slowly as the sector evolves from a stigmatised counterculture phenomenon into a scientifically robust industry. There's increasing acceptance of psychedelics as a promising avenue for the development of new treatments for mental health disorders. And Rasmussen, formerly head of neuroscience research at Eli Lilly, told Scrip that while bringing some of farmers' resources to the problem would be wonderful, that's not going to happen until we sort out a lot of detail, because this could be a risky place for big pharma. Frank Wiegand, who joined Beckley SciTech as chief medical officer at the end of 2021, after 20 years with Johnson & Johnson unit Janssen, echoed Rasmussen's view but insisted that these compounds are too important clinically to not advance them one way or the other. This may need a distinct business model where Big Pharma's commercial muscle may not be a requirement, but as the sector matures, the major players will be keen to be involved, he said. The pharmaceutical industry is very opportunistic, Wigan argued and as soon as it sees obstacles being overcome in areas such as intellectual property, a legal minefield given that natural psychedelics have been used for centuries, I think they will jump on board or will be interested in at least staying very close to what's happening. There is a long way to go before commercialisation becomes the pressing factor for most firms in the space, but considerable progress is being made on the regulatory side. The US FDA, for instance, has granted breakthrough therapy status to multiple psychedelic drugs. Finally, in a day for notebook from the Bio meeting, the script team notes that US FDA Commissioner Robert Califf put drug developers on notice that as soon as the country's infant formula shortage is resolved, he will turn his attention to the biopharma industry's lack of investment in new therapies for chronic diseases an issue among his top priorities during his second term at the FDA. 
Califf commented on the need to improve life expectancy in the US through the treatment of common chronic diseases during a fireside chat conducted by Bio-President and CEO Michelle McMurray-Heath on 16th June at the Bio-Convention. The Commissioner said combating misinformation, which he described as the leading cause of death in the United States today, is his top priority. This includes misinformation that has kept some Americans from maintaining up-to-date COVID-19 vaccination status and lack of information about appropriate treatments for common illnesses. Another session heard that even discounting the effects of the coronavirus pandemic, pharma and biotech's R&D activities have expanded on all fronts in recent years. 2021 saw the size of the R&D pipeline grow by 8% to top 20,000 candidates for the first time rate of expansion nearly twice that seen in the previous 12 months, which was 4.8%, although it was lower than 2020's 9.6%. This was coupled with the largest number of novel drug launches on record, at 97 new active substances reaching the market globally during the 12 months in 95 different products, as two each contained a pair of novel drugs, and an increase of 6.2% in the number of companies involved in biopharma R&D as of January 2021, to 5,416. See the full roundup for many more of the key topics to come out of day four of the bio meeting. That's all for this week. Thanks as always for joining us. All the articles mentioned here are also linked in the story accompanying this podcast and form just a fraction of our global coverage in Scrip last week. Log in to access all of this or take a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.